there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, SI Boxing Podcast. On this episode, got a great conversation with Steve Farhood, the Boxing Hall of Famer, Showtime Boxing Analyst, a lot going on in the sport right now. We've got Mike Tyson doing huge numbers with his fight against Roy Jones. You've got Errol Spence and Danny Garcia coming up this weekend. And Daniel Jacobs, did his stock take a hit with a lackluster performance against Gabe Rosado last weekend? I talked to Steve Farrard about that and much more. A little bit later on, Billy Joe Saunders, WBO 168-pound title holder. He has gotten a fight against Martin Murray on Friday. I talked to him about that. I talked about his future. He was in line to face Canelo at one point. Can he still get Canelo? And if he can't, Daniel Jacobs, Demetrius Andre, these two guys both want a piece of him. Does he want one of those fights? Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it. Get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, Steve Farhood is a boxing Hall of Famer, former editor, former writer, and now the Showtime boxing analyst does a little bit of everything in the boxing world, including joining me here on the podcast every so often. Steve, uh, appreciate your time, man. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Chris. And it's been a while since we've done this. I'm uh, happy to do it. Nice piece, by the way, on Ryan Garcia. I really enjoyed that. I appreciate that. Ryan, uh, I think Ryan, and look, we can actually touch on this here. I mean, you know, it's been a long time, Steve, since boxing's had kind of a breakthrough star. And most certainly, Ryan has to show the talent first. Like, you've got to back it up with the goods in the ring. But if he does, I mean, he's the kind of guy that could break through, I think. You know, given the Instagram following, the looks, the, you know, kind of the ability to be a late-night TV show type of guy. I mean, I think he's boxing's best hope since since Delahoya, frankly. That was back yeah, in you know, early, I, I late 90s, early 2000s. I could see it. Of course, he, as you say, he has to prove it in the ring. But, you know, there's one thing that he's going to have to face, and I think I'm, I'm sure you understand this already, but I think back to the quote-unquote golden boys of the past. Sugar Ray Leonard was basically a golden boy. Oscar De La Hoya was certainly a golden boy. What these guys have to overcome is even though they're as good as they are, and in the case of Ray, he's the best fighter I've seen in 42 years. case of Oscar, probably a little underrated, fought everybody, won some, lost some, but certainly a superstar. The public tends to downgrade these guys because they're golden boys. I mean, Ray Leonard was not respected by the, the, the old, old school boxing guys because they thought he was a golden boy and he wasn't legit. He was a media creation and he was a fan creation. Same with Oscar to a degree. 
And of course, all that's true, but those two certainly proved themselves in the ring. Ryan is going to have to do it against Campbell and then after that. But that's some, that's a criticism that he's going to face probably for quite a while. Yeah, I think whether, Campbell... Whether fair or not. Yeah, I think Campbell's a great opportunity to silence some of the critics. Not all of them, because Campbell's not on the A-level, but he's certainly a B-level type of guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if he can do what he did to, Cam- to Duno and to Fonseca, to Campbell... Uh, you know, we could ask momentum behind Ryan Garcia in 2021. And as you know, Steve, it's not titles that matter in boxing. It's it's popularity. That's why Bob Arum is talking about Ryan Garcia. That's why Floyd Mayweather's team is talking about Ryan Garcia. He has the popularity to back it up. So Yeah, and, and maybe we're seeing a little bit of a shift. For how long have people like you and I been talking about the welterweight division being the best in boxing? Because we had Manny and Floyd at their peaks. And then after that, Thurman, Garcia, Porter, etc., cetera, uh, Crawford, Maybe, you know, the lightweight division, given that, I mean, the, the amount of talent at a young age and the potential matchups is, is staggering. And, and that doesn't mean it's going to happen because now fighters fight less and there's the political issues, obviously different promoters, but, you know, with Haney and, and Lopez and, 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 I mean, maybe Garcia, we add to that list. It's, it's really potentially fantastic. Yeah, I like the attitude of these guys, too. At least they're saying the right things when it comes to making these fights sooner uh, rather than later. Um, all right, let's talk about a guy whose reputation has long been intact, a boxing Hall of Famer, Mike Tyson, back in the ring, Steve, this past weekend uh, facing off against Roy Jones Jr. I got to tell you, this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be Closer to what we saw Tyson do against Corey Sanders back in 2006, where they just kind of muddled around the ring for a few rounds. Tyson actually held up Corey Sanders at one point from him being knocked down, and the crowd in Youngstown, Ohio, was chanting BS at the end of uh, of that fight. This is a little bit different. I mean, Tyson was in shape. You know, Tyson, uh, you know, the way he was swinging, at least it made you wonder could he connect and knock out Roy Jones? Now, Roy looked like he'd been training with me over the last couple of years. <laughs> like, it just, he, he didn't look like he was in any kind of shape. But when I saw Tyson there, Steve, uh, he made that fun. And I've seen the early reporting on the pay-per-view buys that it, it cleared a million. Uh, the production of that event was excellent. I mean, give me your takeaways from Tyson Jones. Well, you know, the mix of, of the rap and the boxing could largely explain the ridiculous, ridiculously large numbers. Although, you know, it's still about Tyson. It's, it's about Tyson. Tyson was the sale, not Roy Jones. Um, a couple of things. Part of Tyson's appeal, following in the footsteps of people like Madonna and Cher, part of the longevity of a A-list celebrity is reinventing yourself. And, you know, Tyson, it's hard for people maybe my age, certainly, and your age, you're younger than me. It's hard to imagine that there are, there's a generation that doesn't know Tyson, didn't see him fight. He's reinventing himself for them. Now he's like cuddly old Mike. You know, that was not the Tyson we saw in, in, in his prime, obviously, where you have to interview him and worry if you're going to make it out of the hospital. So that's part of the appeal, I think. Um, the other thing is I was very surprised at how – I had very low expectations, but I was very surprised at how the fight was received. For the most part, I saw online, I saw in the newspapers, it was described as exciting. Were expectations that low that this was exciting? I didn't think it was exciting at all. And I blame Roy Jones 100% because I thought Tyson did what he was supposed to do and the appeal of Tyson remains exactly what it was. He's looking to take your head off with a punch. But Roy did nothing but move and hold. It wasn't a very interesting fight. Vinny Pazienza should put down his scorecard forever, that's for sure. But... um, I think it did well for Tyson's future, whatever that is, in, in this regard. And Roy, I hope we don't see again in any exhibition. Yeah, I'm with you on Roy. Uh, Ten minutes after the fight was over, when he was being interviewed by Jim Gray, he was still gasping for air. Yeah. He was, so, you know, Roy, it, it's done. I mean, Roy, Roy did what I thought both guys were going to do. You know, just grab and hold and not do anything exciting. Tyson... Like, it wasn't his home run punch, but it was his doubles punch. Like, he was throwing some some big punches that made you wonder, was he going to be able to knock Roy Jones out? Uh, Vinny Paz's scorecard was wild. Like, But I, <laughs> I say this, Steve, I say this, like, gamblers out there were so infuriated. But if you were betting on a fight being scored by Chad Dawson, 
Christy Martin and Vinny Paz off TV, you right. are a special kind of degenerate. Like you, <laughs> you need to go immediately to to Gamblers Anonymous and seek some help because Vinny yeah. Paz and and you're a you're a scorer, Steve. Vinny Paz threw out like three ten ten rounds. Like what what is he doing? He's I don't think he gave. I don't think he gave Mike a single round, did he? He didn't. He gave the other. Four or five, yeah. I think, to Roy. Like, there was some 10 tens, the rest to Roy. Like, now, this what felt was the, pre- was the official verdict the unofficial scorer's verdict, or was it the WBC's verdict of a draw? What was it for a gambler's perspective? No, it was, what was the official? It split down, you know, it almost all too, uh, all too easily. It, it split down lines where Chad Dawson scored the fight for Mike, Christy Martin had it a draw, and Vinny Paz. Oh maybe drunk on his couch in Jersey or Providence, wherever he is, <laughs> is scoring it for, for Roy Jones. There's nobody. So those, was that the official scoring or was the W did, I thought the WBC independently scored the final They did draw. because, you know, I mean, Andy Foster did the California state athletic commissioner. He did everything, but you know, bring a fire hose to the ring to spray these guys <laughs> down. If they got too close, he was not scoring that fight. So nobody right. officially was scoring that fight. It was just Vinny Paz. And I'm, I'm picturing, and you covered Vinny Paz. Like, there's no way Vinny Pass was taking that seriously. There's just no way he was. <laughs> and if if you're that if you're that fired up about it, go seek help. Like don't bet and, on this fight. It was always going to end in a draw. And and I don't think we can blame uh, the fact that Vinny might have confused the two fighters. Who was who? I don't think in this case. I don't think that's possible. It's just wild. But you know, um, we live in a, we live in an era where. You know, the the uh, New Orleans Saints were 17 and a half point favorite over a team that had a, what, a practice squad wide receiver as its quarterback Sunday. So mm-hmm. this year, anything from a gambling perspective, anything's possible. You know, one thing about the Tyson fight, Steve, that I would disagree with you on, I don't think the musical acts had anything to do with it. You know, my timeline uh, on, on social media all throughout the fight was people talking about Tyson. And right. I have a fairly eclectic group of followers, a group of people that I follow. Um, a lot of basketball players, people in boxing, of course, but also political people and in several different walks of life. They're all talking about Tyson Jones. And they're all talking about it because of Mike Tyson. I mean, we've seen, you know, Rock Nation tried to do the musical act thing with fights. That didn't really work. I mean, there right. sometimes there's a crossover. More often than not, there isn't. Maybe there's a better chance mm-hmm of having one if you bring in guys like Snoop and Wiz Khalifa and and big-time uh, musical acts. But I think this was all Tyson. I think Tyson drove a million pay-per-view buys at age 54, and that is remarkable. Well, I agree with you, but I think for the future, if this happens again, and that remains to be seen, although because it was such a success pay-per-view-wise, we probably will see something again. I think the fact that how many times have you been with friends watching a pay-per-view you know, a, a good main event pay-per-view where the undercard stunk and the fans say, can't they give us something? Well, now they know if, if it, indeed the format is the same next time, they know that there's more to the fight than just the fight. And maybe for a certain demographic that matters. Yeah, it's certainly possible. But it, you brought up an interesting question. Will there be another Mike Tyson exhibition? And if there is, Will there be as voracious an appetite for it? I mean, it's one thing to be fascinated by Mike Tyson coming back after 15 years out of the ring to see him fight. It's another thing to be paying $50 for it consistently when you kind of know what you're going to get. Now, Evander Holyfield wasted no time in calling out Mike Tyson and demanding a third fight. You know, from the desk of Evander Holyfield, read the letterhead on on his request. Uh, I, I don't really need to see Tyson Holyfield three. I've seen Holyfield in recent years. I'd like to not see him potentially get hurt in a fight like that. I saw Tyson. I'm good with it. What do you think the appetite will be, Steve, for another fight for Mike Tyson? Well, the fact that this did the numbers it did at this time is pretty revealing in itself. Um, I think there's an appetite out there for a Holyfield Tyson fight. I really would think that it would do pretty well. And, you know, again, part of that is that Tyson is, is, is introducing himself to a whole new generation of people. Um, there's a mystique about him that hasn't left. And maybe it's because nobody has ever filled that slot. You know, the fighters who have come since him. I don't know. I, I tend to think that I'll take it a step further, Chris. And, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, too. No 
New York, California, Nevada Commission would ever license Mike Tyson to fight a real fight at this point. There's always Arkansas. There's always Mississippi. What would happen if he fought a, you know, I don't know, some, some six and four heavyweight in a real fight? Could it happen? Would it sell? Well, I, I don't think it would sell more than an exhibition with Holyfield. I, I don't Agreed. think there's... I don't think there's people screaming to see Mike Tyson going 10 rounds with Byron Pauly, you know, just to throw a, you know, middle of the pack heavyweight out there or Chris Areola, if you want to go a little higher up the heavyweight food chain. I just don't think there's a massive appetite for it. I think there's more intrigue in nostalgia. You know, you, you want to see, you know, Tyson Holyfield where you can spend the buildup talking about the ear bite and revisiting, you know, all the things that happened between those two guys decades earlier and i don't see it moreover i get the feeling mike doesn't see it either i don't think mike is looking to put himself in a position where he could get hurt i mean he knows there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow here like there's no heavyweight title shot coming his way nor does he want it and and it would go incredibly badly for him if it ever happens so i think he's content fighting these exhibitions and i think to your point i think he could still make significant revenue, significant money yeah. off this. So here, let me, let me counter to you, Steve, on this. Like, is this a message to, you know, other boxers, you know, cha- like start taking big, like start making yourself more appealing. A 54 year old just outdrew every boxer of the last two or three years, including Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Like, is this not a message to the, the, the heavyweights out there, and everybody in boxing that you got to get your act together before, you know, this guy kind of embarrasses you with the number of numbers he's putting up in the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, just to get back to one thing we were talking about before, I guess he would never fight professionally in a real fight because he wouldn't be able to get high before the fight because they <laughs> test for marijuana. So that's the end of that. So we will, we'll, 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 we'll release that uh, subject, but does it say something about the other fighters? You know, pay-per-view is a whole different world, obviously. It's very different than fighting on the old HBO or Showtime or, or Fox or anywhere, anywhere else. It's all about personalities as much as it is about the matchups. And at least a Tyson Fury and even in a Deontay Wilder tries to be, and, and it's not really even trying. They are larger-than-life characters. That sells on pay-per-view. You're buying a personality as much as you're buying a fighter. A lot of the bigger names... You want, to, you want to say Lomachenko. You want to say Terrence Crawford. You want to say Errol Spence. These are not necessarily gigantic personalities. And that's really what sells a pay-per-view fight. So that's something Tyson has and remains with that these are, a lot of these other fighters who are the much better fighters, the best fighters in the world today, don't have. And that, that when you talk about pay-per-view, that's what counts. You know what else, Steve? This was also a well-priced pay-per-view. And maybe that's a lesson boxing can take from it. I mean... I've heard Steven Espinoza say many times he'd love to bring the price of pay-per-view down into that $50 range. You just need a fighter and a manager to be willing to take that risk first, be the first one to drop from the $75 or $85, whatever it is, uh, for most pay-per-views. I wonder if that's something you take away, that you know more people are interested yeah. because it was 50 instead of $75. I do think there's something to that. I think there are, yeah. that they did get buys because it wasn't as exorbitantly priced as many pay-per-views are. And again, we have to put it in time perspective, you know, especially for this time right now. Um, it's an interesting thing. The, 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 the economics of boxing are constantly in flux. And we haven't had a factor that has affected boxing as much as the pandemic, maybe ever. How is that going to affect the economics of the sport? Will, will, you know, without an audience and without a live gate, you would think that the, the prices to make, to pay these fighters are going to drop considerably. Will they? Have they? I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what the prices, what the uh, purses have been, but you would think that that would heavily affect the purses. And the fact that you, maybe a $75 pay-per-view isn't going to sell as much as a $50. Obviously it's not. Um, but for, for Tyson to do the numbers he did, and I say Tyson, I don't say Tyson and Joe. For Tyson to do the numbers he did at this point with a, another pay-per-view fight one week later, a more traditional pay-per-view fight, is absolutely staggering. I didn't think it would do anyway. And, and it, by the way, I don't think it was a particularly well-marketed pay-per-view. 
No, it wasn't. Not a great pay-per-view weekend generally either. Good viewership re- weekend usually, not a pay-per-view because people are spending right. money on Black Friday and getting college football. A lot, lot going on in boxing. Yeah. Good for Mike Tyson. We'll see what he decides to do next. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the pay-per-view next week. Errol Spence Jr. against Danny Garcia for the Unified Welterweight Championships. Um, this is a good fight under any circumstances, Steve. You've got Spence undefeated. Danny Garcia has lost twice, but by the narrowest of margins to the top fighters in that weight class. These are two high-level 147-pounders. But you throw in the circumstances that Spence is fighting under. And I wrote a long piece on SI.com that's up right now about the return of Errol Spence from the car accident in October of 2019 that very easily could have taken his life instead He came away from it relatively injury-free. He spent the last year off training, and now he's getting right back into the ring with Danny Garcia. And let's start there, Steve. For a guy coming off the type of accident that he had, even though he didn't break any bones or suffer any kind of ligament damage or any kind of significant damage, uh, it would have been well within his rights to take a much easier fight, to shake off the rust, to see how he feels coming back. Instead... He's stepping right into the lion's den and fighting a top five 147-pounder. What do you make of that decision by Errol Spence? Well, first of all, nobody, the most skeptical of fight fans would not question if he took a a tune-up. But again, I think the the, the shifting marketplace and the shifting economics of boxing might come into play here. You know, the top guys in boxing obviously are fighting much less frequently than they used to, maybe now in some cases once a year, and certainly because of the pandemic once a year. So if he takes on an average, you know, number 30 welterweight, and then has to wait to fight a Danny Garcia or whoever, you're talking maybe as much as two years. And maybe part of his thinking was that I don't want to wait that long to A, test my body and see what I have left. B, not get paid for that long, the kind of money I'm used to. Part of this is, I think, the explanation for why he's taking such a tough fight uh, when he is. Now, if he comes out and looks bad, then he obviously made a very bad decision. Time will tell. Yeah, it will tell it. It's it's a risk and a roll of the dice that he's making in this fight. I think one of the reasons he's doing it is that I think Spence believes that Garcia is a little overrated at 147 pounds. We mentioned those two losses. They both came at welterweight. Look, they came to Keith Thurman. They came to Sean Porter. They were both narrow decision. Fight. Yeah, narrow decision defeats. Uh, nothing that he needs to you know be ashamed about. Uh, but when you watch Danny Garcia, do you see the same fighter? He was at 140, at 147. Do you see a weaker fighter at 147? Or is there no difference at all? How do you see Garcia? I I don't see much of a difference. I think he's a fighter with a very good left hook. He's a fighter who's a natural counterpuncher, very effective. And he's a fighter with a great chin. He can be out-hustled, which is, I think, what's going to happen Saturday night. Um, I don't see a big difference from 140, 147. But I'll say this about Danny Garcia. Of all the top fighters in the last 10 years or so, I think he's been more heavily criticized unduly by boxing fans than anybody else. You know, he takes the occasional tune-up fight. What's, what's, the, what's the harm done there? You know, and he gets criticized. For, hey, come on. He fought Lucas Matisse when Matisse was the biggest monster in boxing. He's fought Sean Porter. He's fought Keith Thurman. I don't get the, the criticism Danny Garcia gets. Now, some people feel maybe he's not as committed to boxing as he once was, that the hunger isn't there. It better be there against Spence. But I, I think he's a very hard fighter to criticize, and I think he'll he'll be in this fight, and I, I think it'll be a closer fight than a lot of people think. I think it's a close fight, too. On the Garcia criticism, I, I mean, there was a time, like, leading right up until that uh, Lucas Matisse fight, I, I was with you. Like, he, he was a guy that took on all comers. It was Amir Khan, then Morales, then Zab Judah, and then uh, Lucas Matisse. He did have a run after that where it got a little bit shaky for him. I mean, he probably lost the Mauricio Herrera fight. He lost down in to Puerto Mauricio Rico. Herrera. No and that was, he lost that one. Then it was the legend known as Rod Salka, which right. everyone certainly enjoyed. I did bounce back with Lamont Peterson. That's a tough fight. Pauli Malinaji, uh, that was a legitimate fight. I think it was more of it was like a year-plus stretch where Danny uh, seemed to take his foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, that, that, I think, is the root of that criticism. Well, what's, what's one year, Chris, or, or, of a career? It's not that big a part when you look at how many good fighters who were at or near their primes he fought 
I, I just feel the, the criticism is, is not fair. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fair look at, at Danny Garcia. If I'm Garcia in this fight, though, Steve, I am testing that Errol Spence chin very early. Uh, Spence didn't have any structural damage to his jaw, but he had major damage to his teeth to the point where he told me he's had at least six procedures done on his teeth. He just got back into sparring, I think it was early October. And while Derek James has said he did really well in those sparring sessions and he has no concerns about Errol Spence coming into this fight, if you're a fighter that's had some damage to your mouth, that's got to be in the back of your mind a little bit, no? Like that, you know, like getting hit by a real power-punching welterweight and what it's going to feel like. I mean, I don't think Garcia should get too focused or zeroed in on one spot in Errol Spence. You want to go to the body. You want to try different things. But given the damage that Errol Spence suffered to his face, I'd want to test that early and see not only if you can get to it and cause damage yourself, which is a bit morbid, but the way boxing is, but also see if, if Spence gets tentative in those situations and doesn't engage like he usually does. Yeah, I, I think that the key for Errol Spence's state of mind in regard of how well he can take a punch. I know sparring isn't the same as fighting. There's a huge difference. But, you know, I'm sure in sparring, especially when the sparring sessions got longer and harder, I'm sure he tested his chin. And I'm sure that confidence-wise, he feels he can take a punch. Um, I, you know, the, you know how top fighters think. They think they're invincible. And, and given that he's coming back against Danny Garcia after the horrific car accident, that's, that's just a further sign of how invincible he thinks he is. I don't think that in his mind, unless he's hurt early, as you suggest, um, I don't think there's any doubt in his mind that he can take Danny Garcia's punch. All right, you've covered a lot of negotiations, Steve, and, and back and forth and fights that don't happen when they should happen. Um, where are we with Spence and Crawford right now? Are we reaching a breaking point with that fight? I mean, I don't think we're quite at the Pacquiao-Mayweather level yet where, I mean, the, there was like seven years, it seemed like, of negotiation between those two guys before they actually stepped in the ring. But it feels to me like we're, we're kind of there. Like, I have no interest in Terrence Crawford versus anybody that top rank can put him in with, whether it's Patrick Teixeira at 154, uh, even the winner of Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor. I just don't care at this point. Likewise, on the PBC side, I don't need to see a rematch with Sean Porter. I guess Keith Thurman, you know, is is intriguing on some levels because Thurman only has one loss, but we know Keith Thurman's going to want like at least two tune-up fights before he gets into into that type of situation. Uh, I think we're there, Steve. And I, I got to tell you, I'm discouraged by what I hear out of both Crawford and Spence. I mean, both these guys are saying 60-40 my way. That's obviously a deal breaker for both of them. You have Crawford out there saying, I'm a Hall of Famer with or without Errol Spence. I'm a voter, Steve. I'm not voting for Terrence Crawford. Like, I'm not. Not right now. Right. He's ultra-talented. But you get in the Hall of Fame because of your resume. You get in the Hall of Fame because of who you've beaten your career. There's a reason Sven Otke's not in the Hall of Fame. He's undefeated. Right. But never lost the fight, right? Never lost the fight, but doesn't have the resume of other guys like, say, at Arturo Gatti. Like, uh, you need a resume. And Craw for Crawford to say he doesn't need Errol Spence, I think that's just plain wrong. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. And also, you know, we're talking legacies here. Ultimately, when a big fight that can be made doesn't get made, I blame the fighters, period. I don't blame Bob Arum. I don't blame Al Heyman. It's the fighter's job to make the fight. Now, the difference between Pacquiao Mayweather and this fight is that Pacquiao Mayweather, a lot of people felt it came too late. That, you know, Manny was diminished with a shoulder injury and Floyd was already in his late 30s, whatever. Um, in this case, it's still a really good fight between two top fighters who were near their best. But again, it's to, to bring back a point I made before, it's, it's the marketplace. It's a pay-per-view fight. It's not going to be on Showtime. It's not going to be on Fox. It's a pay-per-view fight. And as a result, they have to temper their greed and their expectations for purses because neither one of them is the world's largest personality. And that's what sells pay-per-view. So, you know, it's a fight fans fight, clearly. Fight fans will be, you know, thanking the heavens if it ever gets made. But does it have that transcendental appeal that some fights have, that a Tyson fight has, that a Tyson Fury fight has. Not necessarily. So I would like the fighters to, to 
temper their enthusiasm about what they can make to be realistic. Uh, the, the easiest way to be realistic about it is to you know base your purse on pay-per-view buy returns. And look, I, I'm not sure, Steve, maybe you can enlighten me when boxing got away from that, but that used to be a staple in boxing where you know, you you basically made what you made. You know, if you sold the pay-per-view and did big a number, you made uh, a boatload of money. If you didn't, you didn't make quite as much. Nowadays, everything's this massive guarantee, and that makes promoters, understandably, to a degree, gun-shy sure. about putting their own money on the line, stuff like this. So if you're Crawford and Spence, you want all this money? Sure, you know, go sell it. You get, you know, I think Bob Arum said this, like, we'll do 90-10 in favor of the fighter. Usually it's around 80-20, but we'll do 90-10 in favor of the fighter to make it work. That should be enough. Like, you shouldn't get what you can't sell. You are, you're worth what you're worth. And yeah. I, I feel like that's a fight that needs to be based on the number of buys that it creates. Well, I, I think that the, the change in, in pay-per-view fights with guarantees came with the lower pay-per-view sales rate. You know, there was... There was a period where Manny was doing over a million, Floyd was doing well over a million consistently. Now, if a pay-per-view does a million or more, forgetting Tyson for a minute, um, that's a huge, how many, how many million plus pay-per-view fights have we had in the last five years? I don't know if we've had any. Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, yeah. Mike Jones. I think that's it. So, so as a result, since you're not going to get the upside that you might've gotten years ago if you were Manny or Floyd, the fighters want bigger, per bigger guarantees. It's understandable. But they have to be realistic, and I don't think they always are. No, they're, they're definitely not. All right, let me finish with uh, a fight this past weekend, Steve, that I was at down in Florida. Daniel Jacobs against Gabe Rosado. Jacobs, a former 160-pound title holder. Uh, this was effectively supposed to be a stay-busy fight for Jacobs. It wound up being a lot closer. He won a split decision over Gabriel Rosado, 115-113, all the way around uh, in that fight. Um, and I guess my question is, did Jacob suffer? Did his brand suffer as a result of that? This was a guy that coming into that fight was in a pretty strong position. If he had knocked out or stopped uh, uh, Gabe Rosado in an impressive fashion, he would have been a sought-after commodity from multiple promotional outfits, whether it was Matchroom, which is trying to make a fight for Billy Joe Saunders. PBC has uh, Caleb Plant, also David Benavidez, some other names at 160 pounds, including Jamal Charlo. In the aftermath of this fight, is, is Jacobs still a sought-after commodity in your mind? I think for the really big fights, which of course includes Golovkin, Canelo, and probably also Jamal, Danny's the B-side. I mean, he was the B-side before he fought Rosado, and he's still the B-side. Uh, he's a very attractive B-side. He's a very good fighter. But I tell you this, a lot of times when we see a boring fight, we go, well, Styles... I understand why it was boring. Gabe Rosado is not a fighter who's usually in boring fights. Mm -hmm. Usually just the opposite. So I was very surprised by that. Uh, but I don't, think, I don't think it affects Danny. Yeah, sure, much like an Andre or other fighters like that, you want to see the exciting performance so that you can point to him and say, oh, you know, that this is, he needs the bigger fights. I don't think in Danny's case it, it hurts him that much. I really don't. I don't think people are going to perceive of him that much differently because, again, in the really big fights that he wants, he's going to be – he was the B-side against Canelo. He'd be the B-side against Golovkin, or was the B-side, and I think he'd be the B-side with Charlo. So he's a very attractive, very quality B-side, but I don't think his brand has dropped that much because of that fight. Steve, I'm going to move real quick just because the light just came into my window. Sure. The big reveal – That's better. Shut up. <laughs> is, that, is that all right, Ryan? I'm in my kitchen, too. You can see paper yeah. towels. You can see everything. <laughs> that works. Uh, okay. Yeah, Steve, I, I, I get that Jacobs can still be a quality B-side to... You know, uh, whether it is a Charlo or a Billy Joe Saunders or somebody of that ilk. I just I, I just don't think there's going to be a clamor for him like maybe there would have been after that fight. I mean, Eddie Hearn went on social media afterwards and basically said nobody deserved to win that fight. That tells me, that gives me a strong indication that Eddie Hearn doesn't want anything to do with Daniel Jacobs anymore. I mean, Eddie's, 
you know, got him into that Canelo fight, but this was his last fight with Matchroom, and I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Jacobs was done with Matchroom at this point. And then you're talking about bringing him over to fight a Caleb Plant or to fight a Jamal Charlo or to fight David Benavidez. And coming off that fight, a fight with them is a tough sell, especially on pay-per-view. You can't sort of, you're not going to be able to show Jacobs Rosado highlights unless you really want people not to buy a fight. So I, I just, I think he became a lot tougher sell on pay-per-view after this fight. And because of that, it might be difficult for his management team to get him the kind of fights and the kind of money that he's been getting in these last few fights. Well, I see that, but I think that one of the mistakes we make in boxing, it's tempting to make this mistake, is to put too much of an emphasis on a fighter's last fight. Danny has a pretty good resume. He's been very competitive with the best in the division. He hasn't won all the time. I'll tell you, if he were going to fight Jamal Charlo tomorrow, that's a really interesting fight for me. And it's a fight between two primarily what you'd call boxers. Maybe style-wise, it's not as exciting as a fight with a puncher like Golovkin or a pressure fighter like Canelo. But I, I would be very enthused to see Charlo and Jacob still. So it doesn't affect how I view Danny that much. Steve, we don't talk about Jamal Charlo unless we talk about him and Demetrius Andrade on this podcast. That is the uh, only... <laughs> that's a rule, right? That's the rule here on the boxing podcast. Charlo Andrade 2021 is basically the hashtag for the show. You know, we're, right. we're very locked in on that fight, even though... God knows we're never, ever going to get it, which will you know, eventually put me uh, into an early grave. Uh, Steve, <laughs> always appreciate your time, man. Great to catch up with you. Hope to actually get to see you at a fight sometime real soon. I hope so, Chris. Thanks for having me on. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests we are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Billy Joe Saunders is the WBO 168-pound champion. He will put that title on the line on Friday in a fight that you can see in the U.S. on DAZN. And Billy joins me on the show. Billy, before we get into your fight, just talk to me about these last nine months. Uh, you were penciled in to fight Canelo in May. That gets canceled because of COVID. You're discussed as a potential opponent for Canelo in the fall. 
that comes undone. Now you're getting ready to face Murray. What, what have these last nine months been like for you? Well, first of all, obviously, just want to, you know, thank God and praise the Lord that we're here. You know, we, I'm, I'm even fighting this year because uh, at one stage I was beginning to think, well, this year just might as well completely write it off. Um, but, you know, thanks to obviously Matt Trumedian and MTK and Sky Sports, it's not the case and the zone, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's been it's been a terrible year for everybody, you know, and, and, and sports alone is being affected. But, you know, families are losing loved ones as well. So you've got to consider yourself, you know, lucky for what you do have rather than ungrateful for what you don't have, really, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That I, I keep going back to last November when you were in L.A. and I interviewed you in the ring and you said, you know, Canelo, if you think I'm weak, come get me. Come get me right now. Take me while you think I'm weak. And, you know, to have it so close, how tough was it to see that slip away because of things beyond your control? Well, it's just one of them. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's not meant to be, then it won't. You know, I, I believe that they picked Callum Smith in their own head um, when the pandemic, well, when they started negotiations again. I wasn't prepared to even entertain an offer or take an offer or listen to what they were saying with, with like six weeks notice of coming out of lockdown and no, uh, no gyms, no trainers around me, no nutritionists around me. You know, I wasn't willing to put all that out for, for, for a payday. I'm coming to win. I don't want to be running my mouth, then come back it up. I want to run my mouth, get out and say, told you so. So, you know, it's been very frustrating not to get the big fights, but you know, Murray's Murray's going to be uh, give me some good rounds, and he's a, he's a tough test himself. And and I know I've got to deal with him professionally. What did you think of Callum getting that fight? Uh, do you know what? I can only congratulate him, and I'm happy for him. And you know, I really, really do hope that you know he can he can he can use the tools that he has got to win the fight. Um, I just don't know if he's had enough preparation time. Um, I'm hoping that you know that. He has been working a long, long time through the lockdown period on how to beat Canelo, and uh, ho- hopefully he-, he can get the job done. You know, if Canelo wins, there will obviously be a push for him to fight Triple G in May, but you could be in the mix as well uh, for a shot against him. If Smith wins, maybe there's a rematch, uh, but he could face you in what would be a huge unification fight uh, in the UK. <laughs> as you look at that fight, who do you want to win? It's it's one of them. Obviously, I would like Smith to win. You know, I would like Smith to win. I would like him, love him to win because that fight's always there. The Canelo fight. You know, I think that. Um, you know, obviously there'd be a rematch clause, but I'm I'm very I'm hunted by the heart, and he's a fellow Briton. Now I would love him to do the business. So I'm hoping he can pull it off. Um, you know, if it's a fair decision and he uses the tools that he has got, he, he can rightly so pull it off. You know, you, you talked about getting a fight this year. A, a lot of fighters aren't or uh, have things fall apart because of COVID. Um, why was it important for you to get a fight before the end of the year? I think that, you know, if you're going to go into to 2021 and, and look at these big fights and put your name amongst these people, then... You know, you you have to you have to be busy and 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 stay active. And you know, it's, it's, it's I've been out a year already, and it's it's not acceptable to be going into a big fight with that s- such inactivity. So, you know, moving forward, I need these rounds. I need a tough character like Martin Murray. He's come, he comes to fight, and he's coming to win. And and um, on paper, you know, people's writing him off, and 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 it's all in his favour. To be fair, you know, it's all in his favour because he's got nothing to lose and all to gain. Um, but like I say. It, it's just one of them that, you know, it's, uh, it's the job's got to be done properly. Do you feel like you've been able to train properly for this fight? Yeah, I've had a good training camp. I've had a good training camp. Um, I've been away in Spain training, um, you know, uh, Future Ventura MCK gym. I've been out there training now my full team. Um, I've had a good good preparation. Um, you know, so there's 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 no excuses of... X, Y, and Z, you know, hopefully I'll perform. Maybe a bit of ring rust, but I'm sure there'll be that on everybody who's been out a year. So hopefully I can shake that off and just start dazzling. You were, you mentioned Murray, you were slated to fight him back in 2018. That fight was canceled because you were dealing with an injury. Uh, You two had a back and forth back then on social media. He called you, I believe, a hypocrite and an imposter. You called him a bum. I mean, is there genuine bad blood between you two guys? Listen, I think, obviously, he reacted on frustration. You know, he put a lot of money into training camp. You know, boxers know 
how much money it costs you training camp. Um, we put a lot of money into that, and obviously the fight fell through. But I had two calf injuries, two mm. two calf injuries. I didn't give it. To, I, I I pulled it the first time running. I didn't give it enough time to heal up. Rushing to get back in the gym, uh, I was told not to, but I rushed back in the gym because I wanted to be out at a certain time, and it happened again. So you know, you can't go in fights, then come out making excuses afterwards. You know, so it's, it's one of them. So I ain't got no bad blood against him or animosity, you know, good luck to him. He's got his shot. Um, and he can either go away as a as a, uh, a fifth-time world title challenger winner or he can go home and, you know, look after his family. How did you take it when he said that you were basically avoiding him to fight Golovkin or Canelo? <sighs> look, it's... it's it's, it's it's one of them. It's, it, if if the two fights are on the table, it's only it's only logic which one you're going to choose, you know. But he would put in front of me as a uh, as a fight. I took that fight, but sustained injuries. And and look, here we are today. So whatever I've said in the past and what he said, it's our chance Friday night to back it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you've said Billy. Uh, you know, they, at least they say in boxing, you know, you don't get paid overtime in boxing. But you've said. You want to get rounds out of this. Why do you want to get rounds out of a fight like this? I mean, look, it, listen, don't get me wrong. It's nice to go and blow someone away. <laughs> you know, it is always nice to go in and look sensational, blow them away, everyone talking. But is that good moving forward for me going into 2021? I don't know. I'd like to get some rounds in. Um, like I say, uh, I know Murray would be pushing the pace and coming forward and, and you know, he'd be trying to push the point. So... You know, I need to shake them cobwebs off, man, and shake the ring rust off because, you know, I want to be out again February. Latest, end of Feb, I want to be out again. Let's get it going. Back, get the ball rolling because I need momentum. I need momentum to keep going. And uh, once I get that momentum, I'm a very, very hard imposter to beat. Did you catch the uh, Daniel Jacobs fight this past weekend? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I see the fight. Um, I thought Jacobs won the fight, if I'm, if I'm totally honest. I think that, you know, he, he, he switched off and wasn't as switched on as, as per usual. But, you know, he's a performer. You know, he's a, he, he's a showman. And without these crowds, perhaps he couldn't get himself on. But I'm not taking anything away from Rosado again. You know, it's, it's the same sort of thing with a Martin Murray fight. It's always, you're running, always going to run that risk of criticism. of Because, you know, oh, they haven't done this. But these guys are, are good, good men you're talking about here. Just because you look on paper, they've got a few losses. You know, Martin Murray's challenged for the world title four times. This is his fifth time. You don't just keep getting given chances, you know, and putting in top 15 for nothing. You've got to be doing something right. So clearly these guys are doing something right and they're, and they're rightly so earning their earning their um, right to take these fights. You know, and they're getting paid well. And, you know, he come off short the other night, but he didn't do himself any... Uh, any harm he, you know his stock went up and I'm sure he'll get another big fight off on the back of that you know Jacobs did say that the lack of a crowd messed him up a little bit it took away some of that rhythm that you're talking about I mean have you I don't know I guess you can't really prepare for it till you're in it but what do you think of how that atmosphere will affect you look it's, it's, it's one of them I think it's once you're on that ship and you get you know you get paddled out in the middle of the sea and chucked off both of you getting <laughs> chucked off and only one can swim back you have to swim End of, you know, no matter what, what hell you get back, you've got to get back to shore drowned. And uh, that's the way I look at a fight. You know, to me, I've been all around the world, boxers and amateur, and and, and and I've been in empty halls fighting for, you know, my Olympic spots and other bits and bobs and fighting at the Olympic Games with no one there, you know, because of the preliminaries. And, you know, I've been on big stages before. And like I say, it shouldn't really bother me, but, you know, I can't really say until I'm in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the best about this. It's, it's the unknown. It's new for everybody. Everything's new. You know, the the crowds, the everything. You know, Jacobs has brought up your name as a future opponent. Demetrius Andrade has brought up your name as a future opponent. You said you want to get back in February. Do you have a preference about if, if you're looking at either one of those guys? Do you have a no, preference? Not at, all. not at all. I mean, they're both big fights. Um, you know, both of them haven't got any titles. So, you know, if, well, Andrade's got a title at like middleweight. Um, so I don't know what he's doing with that, but I, I'm up for them fights. I'm up for them fights, but I'm not looking past Martin Murray. I know he's going to come and he's going to be game, and uh, and I've got to beat loss into him. 
You know, because he just don't take losses. You know, he, he, the ones he has been beat, it's all been very, very close. And, you know, he's pushed them all the way to the wire. So I, there's no difference for me. Are they going to let your friend Tyson Fury in the building for this fight? Uh, I'm not sure. Hopefully, please. Yeah, please. Hopefully they'll let him in. Is he going crazy nowadays with no, uh, <laughs> no fight for him? I think that, you know, he was, he was obviously in deep training and, uh, he had a date, but, um, obviously there's, there, there was, I don't know, some paperwork that's, that's gone wrong somewhere there. And, and I think just to be safe, he's, he's going to wait until, uh, January, February. You still, you looking forward to that Fury Joshua showdown like everybody else? Yeah, I mean, listen, for, for, for me, it's the only fight at the heavyweight division that everybody wants to see. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only fight that the whole world comes to the TV screens and tries to get tickets to go to. And, you know, I think it's the only matchup that really makes sense of them too. And uh, both, again, they're both done really, really well in their careers and successful. But um, I just think that Joshua comes second off. This fight's got to be in the UK though, right? Like you can't, I understand Saudi Arabia money is enticing, but you got to have that fight in the UK. Well, you know, look, that's down to obviously Tyson's uh, management, MTK, to um, to sort out and and AJ's people to sort out. You know, they know financially where where it should be held, and mm-hmm. I think that the money that will be offered not only in Saudi but all around the world, global, mm-hmm. that fight will be phenomenal. So um, it's a win-win situation wherever they go, really. No question about it. Billy, good luck on Friday. Billy Joe Saunders, Martin Murray can watch that fight in the U.S. on DAZN. Good luck there, and I hope to see you back stateside again soon. God bless. Thank you. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review. You know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.